Do you ever find yourself holding back on what you really want to say? Do you strategize about what and how you communicate with the people around you? Today, I'll talk about what a healthy exchange of power looks like in a relationship. Welcome to The Happy Wizard. I'm your host, Dr. Shiva Guide. I'm a board-certified and licensed clinical psychologist, a public speaker, and an educator. In this podcast series, I'll be sharing strategies to help you heal from the past, navigate everyday challenges, and create a much more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Dr. G, and I'm excited to talk to you today about how to stop strategizing and how to take back more power in your relationships. Strategy. At heart, we're all strategists. But that's no surprise, right? Because we're hardwired to survive, and without having an ability to learn and come up with new strategies, we might not make it. So it's adaptive for all of us, and all animals for that matter, to want to control our environment. And by control, I mean manipulate. Manipulation. Ew. It's one of those icky words that we don't like to be called, and we use the word in a negative way, probably in an effort to manipulate. But really what that word means is that we want the world and everything and everyone around us to be and do what we want them to be and do. Everyone is manipulative, manipulative and self-serving. We are just hardwired to be selfish, self-absorbed, self-focused, self-directed animals. And if everyone can be described in this way, then it's really not a thing. It would be like telling someone, oh my God, you're such a homo sapien. How dare you be such a homo sapien? You're so human. And so in our efforts to survive and adapt and manipulate and whatever other words you want to use and you can think of that are evolutionarily adaptive, we strategize. There are many different definitions for strategize in the dictionary, but most of them include some reference to the idea of coming up with a careful plan or finding a method by which we can accomplish some specific goal. Uh, Again, I'm a big fan of evolutionary psychology, and I consider myself to be a really nerdy scientist. So I I believe that all of these so-called strategies are evolutionarily adaptive. But some of our actual strategies that we might employ are not all necessarily healthy or helpful. And in fact, sometimes we might be sabotaging our own efforts, but you get the idea. The drive to strategize is hardwired. So, I mean, it makes sense that we would use strategies and think about pros and cons and maybe even create many backup plans for our backup plans. It's also probably normal to some extent to try to fortune tell about all the potential outcomes that may result from giving from any given decision that we make. So, I mean, perhaps strategizing is effective in some areas of our life, but one area I'm just not convinced about the benefits of strategizing is in the area of interpersonal relationships. People often have difficulty navigating parts of their interpersonal relationships. Think about your own past relationships. Maybe the start of a new relationship was challenging because there wasn't enough communication, or maybe you hit a rough patch somewhere in the middle of the relationship and you didn't know how to navigate through it. 
we might get stuck trying to figure out whether or not we should say something or do something in a specific situation where something is bothering us, right? We can start feeling like we're in a state of analysis paralysis because we can't figure out what to do unless we know the outcome. And of course, we'll never know the outcome until it happens. So what do we do? We strategize. We try to generate as many possible outcomes using our knowledge of this other person, the shared history, their track record, like how they behaved or reacted every time in the past. And then we throw in some fortune telling, not always about positive outcomes. Um, More often, our anxiety causes us to fortune tell in a negative direction. And then we go through dozens of iterations of this future confrontation. If you've ever experienced this, then you know that this whole strategizing process can leave you feeling even more confused and overwhelmed than the original dilemma. It's like we've come up with our own imaginary formula and plugged in all of these hypothetical variables. Think about it. Have you ever had some sleepless nights of tossing and turning, trying to figure out whether or not you should text or call or email? Or have you spent hours going back and forth on whether or not you should say something? Or have you spent hours ruminating about whether or not to break the bad news to someone and how and when to do it? It's really easy to get lost in all this noise, but that's when we lose sight of some of the really basic self-preserving strategies that probably to some of you don't seem like they're self-preserving, but they are. This dilemma is something I talk a lot about when I work with folks who've had trauma. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about what it means to take and give power in healthy and unhealthy ways. Uh, Some people who have experienced traumatic life events will lose their sense of self-esteem and confidence. And unfortunately, along with that is a tendency to lose their voice. And basically that's losing the ability to communicate assertively and advocate for oneself And then the strategies begin. And of course, the driving factor is really fear, fear of getting hurt, fear of feeling vulnerable, fear of negative evaluation or being judged by someone else. Um, This primitive emotion of fear, and yes, it is hardwired, it's a major driving force in our decision-making. But it's not healthy to let fear run the show. Fear is an emotion that we want to experience when something really life-threatening is happening. But living in fear, which is anxiety for all practical purposes, is it's just not adaptive to go through your day in, day out in that hyper-aroused fight-flight-freeze state. Um, it, it wreaks havoc on your body, mentally and physically. Healthy relationships with other people are based on this idea of having balance between giving and and taking power. And, you know, just a reminder for any of you at this moment who are thinking, fuck relationships. I don't need them. I'm not giving my power up. Yes, you do. Humans are social animals. We need other people to survive and thrive. Okay. So let's take a minute to talk about what it means to take and give power in healthy or unhealthy ways. Let's start with healthy. I'm a terminal optimist. So I like to start with the positive and happy stuff. So Let's start talking about taking power since that's usually more comfortable for people than the idea of giving power. 
And this is pretty common sense. Some of the healthy ways of taking power include being assertive and setting firm boundaries with the people around you. So obviously, taking power in a healthy way does often require you to communicate honestly and openly and hopefully effectively with someone else. These are healthy ways of taking power. And obviously, our goal here is to do more of the healthy stuff rather than the unhealthy stuff, right? So now let's talk about some unhealthy ways of taking power or control. Maybe you're guilty of using some of these strategies, especially um, if you notice that these are times that your anxiety gets really high. Have you ever noticed that you or someone else is just trying to push buttons to get a reaction? Um, Have you ever used an aggressive way of communicating with someone in order to manipulate? That means to get them to do what you want them to do. Have you ever given someone an ultimatum? If you answered yes to any of these questions, these are strategies, then you have tried to take power or control in an unhealthy way. Let's talk about giving power. People don't seem to like this very thought of giving power and control because it it seems to somehow be associated with like negative thoughts about weakness and vulnerability. But newsflash, folks, in order to have a healthy relationship, we have to be able to take and give power and control. Healthy relationships have an equitable balance of give and take. So let's start once again with the healthy and talk about how to give power. And maybe think of this idea of giving more as sharing. So one healthy way of sharing power and control includes being open and honest with yourself and other people. It means communicating what's inside your head with another person instead of leaving it up to mind reading, which of course none of us can actually do. Um, This is a big problem. As we're talking about this, I know many of you are guilty of keeping things bottled up inside and just hoping that somehow the other person will read your mind or just know what's going on with you. Basically, you're emotionally constipated. And whether emotional or physical, constipation is a medical emergency. So then what happens when you're not able to be honest with yourself and other people, you end up trying to figure out what to do based on a series of hypothetical fortune telling outcomes, right? You know, you've done this. You're pissed about something and you replay this future event, conversation, confrontation, whatever, in your head about like a hundred times before you're actually home and open the front door. Nothing's even happened yet but you're so pissed off because this fantasy event happened a hundred times in your head already, right? So you get to the front door and you're already angry. So basically what this type of strategy is, is that we're basing our actions on what we think the other person will do or based on how we think they will respond. And of course, only using past information and not necessarily seeing the big picture and all the moving parts of the now, one of the main problems with this strategy of basing our decisions on what we believe the response or the reaction of other people will be is that we lose touch with our own needs and our own goals. So by focusing on the outcome, we miss the point completely. 
which is that we have something inside of us to communicate. Whatever that message is, future outcomes probably shouldn't change the original message. Whether or not we want to share happy or sad news, we have to keep the focus on the news and the importance of us sharing it rather than this hypothetical outcome that hasn't even happened yet. So let me ask you, have you ever wanted to share your thoughts with a partner on something difficult like finances, commitment, fidelity, your in-laws, child raising issues? And did you try to strategize about the timing of when you break the news to them or, or did you just avoid it altogether because you're thinking, well, I already know how they're going to react because that's how they are, how they always react. Remember, I mean, the point of using our voice is never about the outcome. It's about the benefit that comes from advocating for ourselves. Whenever you speak up for yourself or set a firm boundary politely, you're sending yourself and your brain a message. Hey, I'm important. I matter. I'm entitled to use my voice and communicate my thoughts. Now, having said that, I want to emphasize that we are talking about healthy, assertive communication, not aggression. And essentially what this is really about is the value of the self. If you want anyone else to value you, then you have to be willing and able to set the precedent by valuing yourself. So learning how to communicate effectively and honestly and openly and learning how to value ourselves, we become authentic. Authenticity encompasses many different ideas, and one of them is related to there being this congruence between the inside and the outside of you. And this means basically no masks, no guardedness, no game playing, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see that a recurring theme here is related to expressing honest feelings towards another person. Here's an example. Let's say there's two people in a romantic relationship. They've been dating for a few months. And one of them, let's say person A, is ready to tell the other person, person B, that they love them. But person B has seemed emotionally up and down and has been a little distant for the past few weeks. So partner A is ready to take the next step, but is now feeling confused because although they've been lovey-dovey and communicating fondness for the past you know, few weeks or months, that person's second guessing whether or not to say anything because person B has been so hot and cold. Person B seems stressed out, but person A is totally in the dark. So person A wants to show support, but whenever they reach out, person B communicates in less than welcoming and warm ways, like really short text messages, no, no emoticons, no emotion on the phone, um, and inconsistent responses. So not like the immediate response that's usual. So now person A is wondering what they should do. Do I reach out again? Do I step back and give them space? Let's face it, we've all been in this situation. And when you try to apply strategy to this scenario, the most obvious thing is that person A just simply doesn't have enough information to even start fortune telling about positive, uh, possible outcomes. So person A is now stuck because they think, okay, well, if I tell them that I love them, then maybe they'll feel supported by me, realize I'm invested and start opening up to me. But then there's probably another thought, like 
something like, but if I tell them I love them, maybe they'll get scared or feel pressured and run away or, and then it'll really be over. Or maybe they've already changed their mind and they don't like me anymore. And that's why they've been more distant. What person A has completely lost sight of here is the bottom line. They feel a certain way and they want to communicate it to person B. It's how person A truly feels. And it's completely unrelated to whether or not person B feels the same. These feelings of love are being experienced within person A. And if person A's truth is that love, then the outcome is really irrelevant. We can only control and give and take power with the three things that we ultimately have control over, which is the way that we choose to think, and this determines how we feel, and then this leads to our behaviors. There's clearly something going on with person B, and person A doesn't have enough information. Person B is also not letting person A in, which of course is their choice. So the only choice person A has is to be honest and open and communicative or not. And by making the choice to also stay emotionally constipated out of fear, it just leaves both people in the dark. Not helpful, right? So, okay, does all does any of this really matter? Yes. The point is we really don't lose anything by being true to ourselves and being honest with other people. That's what living authentically is all about. Just letting it all hang out and living and loving unapologetically. If you like someone, let them know. I doubt anyone was ever offended by someone else telling them, I really like you. And if you're worried about being vulnerable or seeming needy or weak, then you probably could do some thought challenging on that. You're allowed to like things and people and you're allowed to say something about it. Of course, you know, please understand that it's important to express yourself without expectations. Again, using your voice is not about getting the outcome you want. It's just about validating yourself. It's really just another way of loving yourself and fostering self-compassion. And the goal is to take responsibility for our feelings and the thoughts that manufacture those feelings. We don't have to apologize. We don't have to live in fear or worry about evaluation. The only person's evaluation that truly, truly matters is your own. People are sometimes amazed that I'm as open and honest and demonstrative as I am. And sometimes my own loved ones worry that I'll be somehow hurt by how expressive I am with the people I like and the people I love. But what they don't always realize is that I have a superpower. And that superpower is learning how to create stories that serve me well. I've learned through my work and also many life experiences that only I have the power to hurt myself through my own thoughts. And I just simply choose not to do that anymore. You know, life is too short. I've put together a series of podcasts on all of these topics, and I hope you'll tune in for them so that you too can gain this superpower. When we lead with honesty and open communication, we honor both ourselves and the other people around us. It allows us to be the most authentic version of ourself. Ultimately, we want and need to be healthy and honest in our relationships, and we don't want to have to strategize. 
If you begin a relationship strategizing, keep in mind that you may be strategizing for the entire course of that relationship. And that's pretty shaky ground to build a life on. It won't likely serve you well. We have to believe that if we allow the people around us to truly know us and we allow ourselves emotional vulnerability, the great benefit is not in how others respond, but rather in our own self-love and self-esteem. So becoming a healthier person means that you will be able to attract and surround yourself with healthier people. Here's to being the most authentic version of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've learned at least one new thing that you can practice this week. Please feel free to share feedback and submit ideas for future topics at happywizardpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, stay safe and healthy until we meet again.